The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code WMVP. Tune in every Friday for the official Waddle and Sylvie same game parlay on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. 21 years or older, Illinois only. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Adam Amin's got a bus to move over to the United Center here in about an hour. Yeah, he did. And he's a pro. (laughs) We had a prison conversation for about an hour, and he was sitting over there, didn't know what to say. Did you end up in in Emmitsburg jail at any point in your life? I did not. No, no. You know, the fight, there's so much that we have in common. Um, Adam Amin and I started in the same part of Northwest Iowa. Yep, Esterville. I- Iowa yeah, Great he Lakes. was in Emmitsburg. Or, no, no, you were in, in Spirit, Spirit Lake. Lake. You were in, 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 in Esterville. Esterville. And Esterville and Spirit Lake are separated by maybe like 15 minutes. Yes, 15 miles down the road. But yep. uh, years apart... Probably what? How far? Years? How much does that take horseback? Like, what would see? As the crow yeah. flies, Tom. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Adam started in Chicago here, right? At ESPN 1000. And now he's as big as anybody. And he does the Bulls and he does the NFL. He does Major League Baseball. What don't you do? Do I did I hit him all? That's it, man. And and, and if any other extension beyond that will be a, a test of uh, any common sense that I have. Can so I say I'm, this to you too as well? I, I, all your work is fabulous. Thanks. The bro. work you were doing with with um, who's uh, our catcher AJ oh, in, sure, in the sure. postseason. Didn't you work with AJ yeah, in the postseason? Absolutely. That was that was fabulous. Thank you, guys. We, it, it helps when you have a great series, obviously. And it was the first and time. He looks like a, a fun guy to work with. As a, well. He's a wonderful broadcast partner. He's a great hang. He's everything. Like there are people that you work with that you enjoy because of their authenticity, and you have to take the daggers that come with that as well. And there, there are daggers with working with AJ because he's going to tell you what he feels. He's going right. to tell, tell like it is. I I soft sell a lot of things. I am very like. If I don't like somebody, which is rare, but like if I don't like somebody, I'm I, I'm very patient with people. And AJ is like, I don't like this guy, and then, and that's it. That's the end of the story. And and there are people I respect that skill, that that trait in cer- certain people. You is know, he I a ball buster up. too with you off he the is. air? He is, and and again, in the most endearing, kind, you're part of my my family now type of way. Like you have to be able to to work with him and and know that he's coming from a place of like. I'm not here to insult you. I'm doing this because this is how I show my affection to people. It's like his, if, love, if he his would, love language. Right, you know like I mean? if he didn't like you, he wouldn't bust your balls. It, he reminds you, me of Cutler is who he yeah, reminds me of personality-wise. These are familial people, right? Yeah. Like you bring people in that you get along with or you show us you, your affection. To, you talk about love languages and all that. Yeah. Some people's love language is to, to bust your balls, and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. That's, if you know that. It you was fabulous. Accepted into it. It we was fabulous. Had a great time. We had yeah. great games. That was the best. I I was biased, but I think that was the best division series of all of them. We had a blast. Before yeah, we great. get into the the, the Bulls stuff and the trade deadline and all that, and you've got a game tonight. Um, Brady retired yesterday. We yep. have not talked a lot of football, and you know, obviously, you've done Bears games, and and we're in an excited part for the Bears. But uh, you've talked to us about you've done a lot of Brady games. Yep. How many have you done, and what is your best Brady story that you have? The With Fox, we've done, I think, five Brady games. So those are the games that you actually go in or you're on Zoom. You, sometimes you're on Zoom, but like you go in, you talk with Brady. Uh, and I've covered him on radio you know, a handful of times. So I've, I've seen Tom Brady with the Patriots and with the Bucks, and, and got to know him a little bit the last couple of years just you know, walking in for 10, 15 minutes. He's very thoughtful. 
he sounds like a guy who's been playing football for 25 years and like he thinks about it deeply which i respect like that's why we go in to have these conversations i just want to know where your head's at am i going to learn anything that people don't maybe already know not a ton with some of these interviews because they're not going to give you the game it's not they're going to give you the whole game plan but you try to get a sense of personality so you can paint the picture and he's a thoughtful guy when it comes to the game of football he has a, a lot of knowledge. I think given the right circumstances, he could thrive as a, as a TV analyst, whether in a booth or in studio. You have to, you're going to have to coach this guy, and I think that's the problem sometimes in TV. We don't coach anybody on yeah. TV. You're like, they throw you into the fire, and if you can do it, great. You're going to be very good at this, but they don't develop. You know? And I think we can do a good job or a better job of developing analysts. My favorite story was the last time we did a game of his. We did his final regular season game, which, it, as it turns out, is now his final regular season game. Was it the Falcons? It was the game? Falcons game. Yeah. yeah, we played you know quarter plus, and we're excited to interview Mark Schlereth. Has been my partner for three years. You guys know Mark. He's been on this show. You love guys him. adore him. He's hilarious. Lo- love the guy. Yeah. He gets so enamored by Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, and I, you can imagine why. They're two very handsome yeah, gentlemen, sure. yeah. and even to the point where. Big Bad Mark, who won three Super Bowls, is flustered by their handsomeness. So the last time, I know how this conversation is going to go. Mark usually starts off our meetings because he's got connections and relationships. And I know how this is going to go. Tom, you, Jimmy, handsome off. Who wins? Go. Like, that's what he always says. <laughs> Brady was prepared for it. And he wasn't on, he was on Zoom when we were talking to him because it was the road team. But he was getting treatment at the time. And he's like, no, no, no I'll, I'll talk to him right now. It's no problem. Like, you know, some guys are like, we're, we're going to make you wait 45 minutes to get a massage or whatever. No, he's like, no, we'll do it right now. And Mark does the handsome off thing. And Brady puts his video on. He's shirtless, laying down with a towel over his backside and his legs. He's laying on his stomach while getting like treatment on his leg. And Mark goes, this or Brady goes, this is for you, Mark. And he turns it on and Mark just lost it. He just sees shirtless, <laughs> handsome Tom Brady. The last time yeah. we're ever going to interview this guy on you know, before a that game. Is amazing. That, that was it. And then we saw him before the game when they walked in and shook his hand and, and said thank you for the time. And not knowing that that was truly his last regular season. game. Now, you said that you think he'll be good if coached in the booth. Do you think he's going there? I, I think it would be smart to start him in studio during the Super Bowl run. Gronk is working for Fox. Yeah. Have them break down Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that'd be fun. You're talking about the one of the, the best, arguably the best, quote-unquote, tight end quarterback duo in the league. And Brady and Gronk are one of the three best ever in terms of production. So have get, break that down for me. Edit it down. Make it clean. Make it tight. And I think you can get him eased into it. I think he could be very good in the booth. I just think you need the right person with him. I think Kevin Burkhart would be a fabulous person to put with Brady. I, I feel I, I'm sure everybody feels bad in this in a way for Greg Olson, who's done such a great yeah. job. I've been so impressed. And I knew this last year working with him a couple of times. Just a joy to work with. And he's he's so sharp on TV. So I'm fascinated to see how it works out, too. As I've told you guys, I don't have a lot of leanings into the political machinations of how, you know, network TV works. I just show up and do the game and go. Well, yeah, we, we were big Olson fans. He comes on our show a lot. So we're biased on this. We just don't think in in. I think Romo's a good example of this, and you know this. You have to put work into this. You just can't step in the booth and show up for a game and be good at this. So Brady's been doing this for so long. He's gone through a turbulent year. Sure. Maybe it's best suited that he steps away for a year, lives his life, figures out exactly what he wants to do. If he wants the money, then he can come back and work at the booth. But for a year at least, stay away from it. His life, he can make the choice. Of course, of course. But like, if he is truly exhausted and doesn't want to do it, 
Like, don't you have to commit? If this is the choice, you've really got to work at it, even if your name is Tom Brady. To me, the people that are the best at it are the people, and, and you mentioned AJ earlier. This is one of the reasons I think AJ is a great partner to work with. They have a competitive chip on their shoulder, too, and now they want to apply it to whatever it is that they're doing. And he wants to, AJ applies it to this, to being a great capable broadcaster who stays up on trends, who does all the work, who watches games constantly, who talks to everybody in the clubhouse. Everybody knows AJ. So when we go into a a Padre game or a Red Sox game or a Twins game or even like a Marlins or Rangers game, he's going in and talking to everybody. He knows the clubbies for 10 different teams. He knows the pitching coach for half the league. Like he's been in this and you have to take advantage of those relationships. And when you are somebody like a Tony Romo, a Tom Brady, uh, you know, uh, Troy Aikman, uh, any of these number one type people that do this job that is suddenly very lucrative and very much uh, scrutinized at a very high level now. And social media is, is part of that, too. You need to put in the work and the competitive people who want to be great are the ones who end up being great. At it's it. funny because I think most most viewers have a, a good idea who's working really hard and who isn't. But maybe not totally. You as a broadcaster, I'm not asking you to name names sure, sure. or do anything like that. But you can tell when you yeah. watch a game who's buttoned up, who's been doing their homework, and who hasn't. Can't yeah. you? I, I think you can. I, and, and nobody can tell more than the fans of the two teams who are watching that game. Right. And I have to be, you know, like this is the, the, the fear of going into any broadcast. It's just Vin Scully used to say, I prep really hard because I'm scared for my life when I go on the air for three and a half hours. The last thing I want to do is look uninformed, look silly, look like I didn't do the work. And listen, you're going to make a mistake multiple times a broadcast. Sometimes people catch it, sometimes they don't. That's fine, as long as you're aware of it. But that's why you go into these games with this this high-minded fear of, I don't want to look like an idiot, so I need to make sure that I'm buttoned up, as you do said. Do you believe that the fans watching, regardless of the sport, are more educated now than they have been over the course of time because they have so much more access to different things, whether it's social media or anything else? Yes, and I think because of that, you have to change your game, too. You have to be informed at a level that they're not. And obviously, you have to take the access that you get with players, coaches, etc., and try, as hard as it may be some weeks, to milk what you can out of those conversations and be able to apply them accurately and in context for what you're going to see that particular Sunday. Yeah. yeah, Or any game for that. Adam Amin in studio with us. It's Waddle and Sylvie. If you've got a question for Adam about the Bears, about the Bulls, 312-332-3776. So what do you make? This is a very exciting time for us. Yeah. With what's going on at ESPN 1000, the future, and everything like that. Um, Number one pick, uh, most cap room. Kevin Warren, the new president. Yes. Um, a new home, possibly, with uh, Arlington Heights getting finalized. Waddle and I are calling this, and I've, I've said this uh, for the last several months. I believe that this is the biggest offseason in Bears history. It feels like it. Like, l- never have all of these things been in one offseason, and especially when you put in, you're moving probably from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights, and you're looking to finalize those plans. But now you're looking to surround Justin Fields in the number one pick, and you could build a roster, at least start this process. It's incredible, isn't it? We're talking about billions of dollars for the organization, and we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of applying it onto the field now. This is, this is, so if you're just using that as a barometer in a modern context, because you can look back 40 years and talk about the Bears Super Bowl, but it's not the landscape that it was. So even if you're looking at just this century, 
This is the wildest time. Not for the Bear, for any team. Yeah. Very rarely. I think the Broncos have spent a lot of money in the last handful of years and they trade for Peyton and all that stuff. Yeah. There, there's only so many scenarios in the biggest sport in the country where you're getting this type of capital being moved around to try to improve the stance of one organization. The number one pick is there. I, I've contended for a while that since they got it, get whatever value you can out of it. I don't think you go out and draft Bryce Young. This is just my opinion. This is just watching Justin Fields and being somebody who's a fan of his and seeing how he's grown and developed. I want him to be the future face, the current and future face of this organization. And I also feel like the Bears are ahead of the curve. Accidentally, the Bears are ahead of the curve because they drafted a quarterback like this. And now this is the, the new era of, of the NFL quarterback. Yeah. And the Bears are at the forefront of it. They're ahead of the game compared to 25, 22 other teams. Like, they're in the upper echelon of the most important position in the NFL for what the modern era is going to look like. So they have that. They have the number one pick, which you can expend for a lot of capital. You have all this money to work with, and you know what the problem spots are. Tackle, wide receiver, defensive line, linebacker. Those are the four spots that I look at. You know, and then you can improve every spot, but those are the four that I'm looking at right now, and you have the cap room and the draft capital to be able to do something. With. How about from the stadium perspective as well? Because I think that's a really huge element of what they're they're doing also. It's obviously not on the field. Sure. But of the travels that yeah. you have had across the NFL doing games, mm-hmm. what which of the stadiums have you enjoyed most are you most enamored with i just finished my entire tour of all 30 nfl stadiums of the current ones and, and again I've, I've only been doing fox for three years but i did the radio side of it for eight seasons so i saw most of the league and dallas was the last place i had never stepped wow. into i'd never been to at really? stadium and i did that bears cowboys game and it checked it off the list and i was blown away and i i've also i also saw this graphic on twitter of like the radius like, yeah. like between or like the distance between the downtown center, the Metroplex or whatever, and how far away each organization is from the, the, the downtown area. And the Bears are one of the closest. But look at all the successful t- like San Francisco is nowhere near San Francisco. Santa you fly Clara. into SFO. Yeah. It's easier to fly into San Jose yeah. and go to Santa Clara than it is to go to San Francisco and go to Santa Clara. The Cowboys are 40 minutes outside of Dallas with traffic. It probably takes an hour. From Dallas to Arlington, you fly into DFW, and it takes a little bit of a haul to get over there. It, it, it has nothing to do with the success of the team. So, if you have an opportunity to get more out yeah. of where you're at, I understand. I would love for them to stay here forever. I would love if they had that money to spend over here, and it would it would still draw the same amount of people and all that stuff. I would love if they were in downtown Chicago, but they play nine games a year, maybe ten with preseason at home. It's not enough of a value, in my estimation, if you're going to get a significant amount of return of investment on the back end. It, it, that's the better decision for what this organization is trying to do, and I think teams around the league will So what apply would that. you advise them? If you said, hey, this was my favorite place, build yeah. this stadium Use in Arlington this. Heights. Use this from this stadium, yeah. this from this stadium. What do you want? Like, build your perfect stadium. I think well, the, the, the three best, in my estimation, in this league are Minnesota, Los Angeles and Dallas. AT&T Stadium in Dallas is, you know, the Jerry World was when it was built and finished at the time was billed as the gold standard of yeah. what in not a modern NFL stadium slash concert hall, event hall, whatever should be. And they make a lot of revenue. They bring in a lot of revenue from concerts, from, you know, they, I've heard the acoustics actually are this silly thing to say, but it's true. The acoustics aren't great 
at AT AT&T Stadium, they're phenomenal at SoFi. They're really good at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. The way U.S. Bank is built in Minneapolis with the weather, the, the glass coming in, the heat that you're able to generate just from the sun being out once in a while, like there's there's green and cost effective ways and and environmentally effective ways to make a great stadium. And I think those three are the ones that you pull from right now. And it's great. Kevin Warren was in charge basically yeah, of what they did in Minnesota. So. It's the right. It's, it's that's, comforting. That's another thing. Like, look at what the moves that they're making right now. These are all little steps and you can fall at any one of them. Any one of these moves could be bad. Draft picks could be bad. They may not all hit. But if you're making small, small progressions with big amounts of money, granted, but small progressions towards successful, sustainable, good stuff happening to this organization, that's what you have to lean on. And right now, all the moves that I've seen them make have been the right moves so far. Adam Amin in studio with us. You, You were very glowing with your praise on Justin and the way the league is going. What do you say to the callers and the tweeters who call in and say, uh, he's a great runner. He's a good running back. But his throwing is not up to where he should be as an NFL quarterback. How do you respond? I think at times it's a fair assessment. I don't think that's an unfair assessment to say you want to see more of him in terms of intermediate game, the accuracy. you want, But you want this guy to, to hit 100%. He's not going to. The best quarterbacks in the league this year were right around 65 to 70%. 70% is the very peak of what you're going to do. And that's Geno Smith this year. That's what Drew Brees was doing for the, the last couple of seasons when everything was intermediate stuff. You're going to get 70% with a specific scheme. With the scheme that the Bears, I think, want to do or want to implement, with what gets he wants to do, take advantage of this big arm that your quarterback clearly has. And that's the other thing I don't understand. You see the highlight reels. You see these long throws at Ohio State. You've seen, I, I understand Darnell Moody has made some great catches. Uh, 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 who was it? Uh, Nikhil Harry made a great catch in one of the games that we did against Green Bay this year. I get that your receivers are working hard, but that's what it is. It's supposed to be in concert with what your receivers and quarterback are capable of doing. Look at Philadelphia. I've been using the Philadelphia example for a year. It took them 12 months and a se- uh, and parts of two seasons for them to figure out exactly how to tailor their game to Jalen Hurts. But what do they have to do? They had to go get A.J. Brown. They had to go get one of the dynamic, elite, big-bodied receivers in the NFL. Justin is doing this without one of any elite-level, big-bodied 6'4 receiver in this league. Go pay somebody like an A.J. Brown this offseason. Make a trade for a player like a Devontae Adams if you have the capital to spend and bring in somebody like that, that is going who is to that in- is it Devonte Adams or who is that right now? To me, I think Devonte Adams being unhappy with this situation. I, I listen, if they go get Aaron Rodgers and bring him to Vegas, yeah, he'll be thrilled and there'll be a much better team for it. But at the same time, there's not that many guys out there, and I haven't looked at a list of available free agents, and it wasn't particularly great this year. I no. think like Nelson Aguilar was near the top of that. I was like, not a great list. Jacoby I understand Myers that. Is, yeah, it, it's it not, may, it's and not it, that impressive. It may not happen this year, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the next two or three seasons. Now, at some point, you're going to have to pay Justin. You're going to have to extend him, or maybe you franchise tag him or whatever. So you can get, or You're going to get the fifth-year option regardless, but at some point, you're going to have to pay this kid if he is going to be your future. There are going to be receivers available that want new spots, that want to be a featured guy. And this city is dying, begging for a feature guy who improves Justin's throw radius automatically because certain guys can't make some of the catches that Justin's going to throw. Just like any other quarterback in the league, there are certain guys that make those catches, make those throws easier on your quarterback. If you get one of those guys looking at what Justin's done without that guy, come on, like projecting forward, I would imagine you have to think positive. He, he was complete. He At the end of the season, he completed 60% of his passes. I think you saw when he started to improve – I don't know if it was the Minnesota game or one of the other games, when he started to actually 
take his layups, hit his yeah. layups, you know, the the completion percentage starts to go up. Of course you start, it does. The game slows down, and then you start to be more comfortable. And, and I think that's just a, a matter of time. And then actually, yes, implementing a system where all of that uh, ultimately can happen. I don't, how many games did you have of the Bears this we year? We ended up doing three of them and then the, the few in the preseason. Okay, so like when you talk to the, the coaches, you have access to them. Yeah. How do they kind of, without selling any secrets, how do they talk about him and their offensive plan? So uh, th- thinking back to conversations with Luke Getze. The, By the, the way, who I think did a really nice job as a, as a rookie Again, play all, caller. all things considered, you yeah. have to take the full picture into context, and I agree with you. I think yeah. he did a fabulous job. I was nervous that he would start to get some interviews. I think he's got one more year. Yeah, uh, and if he has another successful season, they're going to come after him. And I him. think that him being at the Senior Bowl or wherever he is right now yes. is invaluable for him yes. and for the organization. Absolutely. And I think the conversations that, that I, I can I, I look back on were very high in the praise of him. Yeah. And they, the, the problems or the, the flaws that all of you watching at home, the flaws that you think you see, you're not wrong. Again, I understand where you're coming from but they're not as drastic as I think people make them out to be. And that's what I think Luke Getzey was trying to say. Like, this kid has it. Whatever this is or it is that you need, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it, 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 it's not polished. It has to be polished and fine-tuned. But this kid already has, like, the diamond status. Well, I would be more polish it. I'd be more willing to move on from him if he didn't have the leadership, hard work, that's work That's the other thing. Yeah. And like, when, we, when we had the Green Bay game, Mark, Mark was very adamant that, like, Justin wanted to play that week. Yes. Aaron Rodgers wanted to play that week. Yeah. Rodgers, obviously, they were trying to make the playoffs and they got close to it. But for Justin Fields was hurt and was like, I need to play. I yes. need to be out there. Otherwise, next year, if they're not going to back me the way I want them to. He took that very personally to play in games that were quote-unquote meaningless, and they turned out to be very meaningful anyway because those reps matter. Yeah. He wanted to be out there, and that level of leadership is yeah. required for what the Bears are doing right now. The Texans don't have that guy at right. quarterback, and I love their hire of D'Amico Ryans. I think that's one of the ace hires of this season. But do they have the guy that people are going to, the, the offense is going to rally around and the defense is going to listen to during a, a timeout where you see the quarterback going, let's give me one stop, give me one yeah. stop. Is our guy's going to listen to Davis Mills? Probably not. No. They're going to listen to Justin Look, Fields. he's got all of the intangibles that you need for the position. And the now stuff again, that you can't, quote-unquote, exactly. unquote, can't yes. teach. Absolutely. Yes. Don't you think that they would love to have those types of qualities in New York? Of course like, they I mean, would. Yeah. Of so, course they would. Any, any, quarterback, any team wants that from their quarterback. Yeah. And the guys that are still playing or have been playing the last two, three weeks, yeah. Geno Smith dem- commands respect. Even though he's not the elite, most elite quarterback in this league. He played very well this year, but he demands and commands it from that locker room. That's why guys rallied around him, and they maybe didn't rally around Russell at the end of his Seattle tenure. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has it. Joe Burrow has it. All right, these guys, Jalen Hurts has it. What you see in those 30-second Instagram reels or on TikTok of like these motivational things that these guys say, and you go and you, all the comments say, I'd run through a wall for this guy. Yeah, Justin that. has that. Yeah. I'm telling you he has that. I believe he has that, and I think people will come to realize that if the right situation is put around him. It's a great endorsement. Adam Amin uh, does his share of games, that's for sure. All right, so uh, I want to get to um, Rodgers. You mentioned Rodgers, too. I want to ask you your prediction there. We already got an answer on Tom Brady. What do you think is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? Want to make your prediction coming up next. And also the Bulls. 
I want a prediction there, too. One week away from the trade deadline. Oh, baby. We'll talk about this team and which lane they're going to pick. Adam Amin in studio with Waddle and Sylvie. It's all next. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. The uh, old National Bank studio always has some juice in it here across the street from the Chicago Theater or during the show. But I, and even during the breaks here with Adam Amin in the old National Bank studio, like this place was hopping. Like Charlie's asking <laughs> questions about play calling and energy. Tyler's chiming in. Adam's holding court. Adam Luke <laughs> knowledge and like, energy. Yeah, this is like this was a show. During the break, <laughs> we had a good time, we, and and those are conversations that I always enjoy. Uh, the in between, it's very much like the commercial breaks of like a, a network broadcast. We're like, I'm we sure the yeah. stuff happens well, I'm between sure, breaks. I'm, I'm sure, sure it's an opportunity for like you and your analyst to also, you know, kind of Stacey's evaluate about stuff. the officials during the break too. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Bulls getting hosed. I'm still not sure that a Bulls player has committed a foul this far into the season. <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah. He stays. Never. He's, he does his reconnaissance. I, that being said, I do think we're fair. I, I really, I, or at least we try. I think we call games pretty fairly for the most part. You'll hear that. You know, you'll hear it in our voices when the Bulls are doing well. And I think you'll hear it in yeah. our voices when the Bulls are doing poorly. I think you kind of yeah, hear absolutely. it. But I think we're critical without being personal. And I think we're fair to the other team, which I, I watch a lot of NBA broadcasts. And the thing that upsets me at times is they don't give the other team credit when the other team makes a good play. Right. And I, I really... I, I think I, you I, guys do. It's, it's a matter of respecting yeah. the game. Like These are still incredible athletes. Part of the reason we love sports is because these are people doing things that we can't physically do. Or can't do anymore. I will, you know, I can't hit a ball 400 feet. It's impressive to me. We're very lucky here with with you and Benetti, my lunch partner from about three and a half hours ago. Did you go out to lunch today? Yeah, yeah, down down the street at the Dearborn. Uh, Greg over there was nice enough to to say hello. Jason and I got a great lunch. He's the best too, and he is as kind as anybody. Absolutely. And Boog, who does great work for the Cubs, and we've got Len on the White Sox here. Um, I, I and I'm trying to think like. And then, like Pat Hughes has been nothing but kind yes, of kind to all of us, all of us over the years. You know, we've got Chuck here, obviously, who's, who's a legend and just hit two thousand broadcasts. We were Jeff. Uh, just we're we're very very fortunate. One of the things we'll pull the curtain back. Jason and I talked about today was we should do the dinner. We should do the play by play Chicago dinner. The way they do it in New York. You know, the guys in New York, Ian Eagle and Mike do? Green, we, we have it. They do that every year. Like Gary Cohen and Michael Kay and all the, the Mets and Rangers and Islanders. Everybody gets together for one big dinner every oh, look year. look at that. And I'm like, we should. Royalty. There's no reason we shouldn't do that once a year. I could see the Chicago crew getting along, but if it would feel like the New York group. They'd be you too guys many. should have a fight. Why don't yeah. you guys fight the <laughs> New York see, play Do you want to see a like, rumble? Yeah. Is that like what you Anchorman want? Style. Are we yeah. gonna Are we going to do Jets and Sharks and start snapping at each other? Let's do it. But what I want to say too is and waddle and i vocalize this a lot about nbc sports chicago for a network that is owned by the owners yeah what what the especially for the white Sox, and we love pep oil pep oil is one of our best friends we're not watching a bunch of hockey these days we tune in for the pregame and the postgame and the intermission (laughs) what what the white Sox and bulls pre and postgame the accountability that Those two crews have held 
it, it's it's really, really, really good. Chuck's passion, Garfine's passion for the Sox is so apparent on TV, and that's why fans it resonates with fans because Chuck is certainly a, a more professional and informed and reasoned version of a fan. And then Ozzy and getting his. And Ozzy, you know Ozzy's going to say what whatever he wants. Yeah, and then, He's got carte blanche. And, and then and Jason and Will I, and I, Kendall. I'm biased for sure because they're all friends of mine. Jason especially is, is, I'm very close with him. But I think we have the best pre-half post crew yeah. in the NBA. They I don't, do think, and I don't think it's close. The Lakers are really good. I know the Nick, uh, the Knicks and Nets do a really nice job. Fight them too. But yeah, but, but rumble for all of us, right? It's going to be like that scene in Anchorman 2 where where it's like nine different networks. But I think we have the best pre-half post yeah. crew in the business. In totally the agree. Okay. Enough asking. What, is going, yeah, yeah, what go. is going on with all of these big leads that evaporate? Is it? And, and I don't think it's unique just to the Bulls. It is happening in the NBA. But I believe in the month of January, weren't there four games four. where you had, what, a 15-point lead or more? Yep. That it evaporated? Had, it happened right out of the gate, too. Cleveland the? In, the, in that overtime game, Indiana uh, last week. It happened again the other night with the Clippers. It happened with uh, Toronto earlier this year. It happened to Washington earlier this month. Four of your seven losses, they went 7-7 seven and seven in January. Four of those seven losses were in games where they had a 15 or more point. How do you... Um, is that just modern NBA basketball, or is there an explanation? I think for it? I think mo- that's part of it. Certainly, I, I do think that the three three point shot has completely obliterated any lead in the league right now. So you can, if you get hot, get back into a game very quickly, which is one of the reasons the Bulls, I think, have a hard time sustaining leads. Right, cause because they don't. They the don't. don't. Uh, Stacy talks about it all the time. Like you need the knockout punch in the third quarter. Yeah. They, we were talking about load management the other night with the pregame show, and they, he was saying that. Our load management was Phil telling us when we were going up against a bum team, as Joe Cowley likes to say, when we're facing a bum, you got three quarters and I'm pulling you out. You are not playing the fourth quarter. Let's have a 20-point lead and put these guys away. Again, modern NBA is different because of the three-point shot and the Bulls have struggled maintaining because they don't have the knockout punches. You don't get a 9-0 spurt late third quarter with Williams uh, DeRozan and Levine or Levine, Vucevic and, and Williams all hitting a three 9-0 9-0 run. Now you got an eight-point lead that goes to 17, and you can slowly and methodically close the quarter. Maybe start the fourth okay, and now your guys sit for ten minutes right. instead of having. A, and now you got a back-to-back tomorrow. You guys don't have to play the last ten minutes of the game. They don't have that ability or haven't shown it consistently enough this year. And I do think, to be critical, there is a lack of focus with this team. Sometimes there just is. Like what gets you going in the first half, playing through Vucevic and playing intense defense. Although I, I credit them, their defensive rating in the month of January was sixth. So much, much, much better defensively than we saw in December and November. But their offensive rating was 21. How does that happen when you guys have three guys, Vucevic, Levine, and DeRozan, all shot incredibly and all averaged 20 or more in the month of January, and Patrick Williams had the best month of his career? How do you? Ha- how are you 21st? Because they get away from the things that make them efficient. Their efficiency numbers go way down second, third, fourth quarter, mm. mostly third and fourth because they get away from the, this game plan. I understand teams make adjustments, at halftime to take things away, that doesn't mean you can't play through what Vucevic was doing. Maybe he only takes five shots in the second half, but the ball has to touch him yeah. at some point. There has to be paint opportunities. They get way too heavy into ISO ball late in games because they haven't had they've had all these opportunities, but they this is what we are. Go to DeMar. Now it's Levine's turn, mostly DeMar late in the game. 
and they don't know how to get away from that. Yeah. That last play against the Clippers was the epitome of it. And with DeMar, as good as he is, you're trading twos for threes in a lot twos of situations. They don't have the yeah. true yeah. knockout punch. Think about the games this year where Vucevic hit a big three late in the game, and you're like, man, he's done that multiple yeah. times this year. He just put the game away. That's very rare. That should be on a, talent, on a team with this much talent more often the case. That being said, if you did have Lonzo Ball... I think that would solve a lot of these problems. But guess Will, what? Will's going to punch you. Don't have, you. you. Will's going to punch you. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to like at least give, <laughs> you know, deference to the people who are saying, "Well, what about?" That's not a, a discussion this year anymore. Yeah, you can't. You can't have that discussion. I agree that if he were here, you wouldn't have some of these problems. He's not here, and he he probably ain't playing this year. So, so what, what are you going to do? do you, can you make a big change on by Thursday next week? Or, or is it, it? Do you have to just refocus by the end of the year? What, what, what's the right path, Adam? I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, go disclosure on this before I say anything. This is me. This is not talking with Arturis Karnaschovas or Mark Eversley or talking to Billy Donovan or talking to any of the players. This is my gut feel of having covered this league for seven years and seeing how organizations who have been in a very similar spot that the Bulls are in right now have operated. I don't think. One big move makes the case for this team to be a top six. I think you can get to the play-in with this lineup, and that's okay right now, or that has to be okay right now. This was a doomed season from the start because Alonzo, because this team was built to have the sum of its parts be one of the best sums of parts in the Eastern Conference. And at its healthiest and at its best, I believe this is a top four team in the East, based on how they've played against those teams. They're, I think, 7-3 and three against the top four teams in the East this year. Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee. That's a pretty darn good record, especially when you've been shorthanded in a couple of those games. So to me, the sum of these parts was built to be a top four team. It's not going to be this year, so you have to be okay with getting the experience of a play-in right now. That doesn't mean you can't get into the top six with one hot streak and a couple of cold streaks from teams that you need help from. But you have to be prepared for the idea that one trade is not going to change the full, drastic course of this team. If you want to build around Zach and DeMar next year, which is my personal opinion they will do, then, yeah, if, if you get something for Vucevic, fine, because you can justify it by saying, well, he was walk- he was on an expiring contract. If you can get two first-rounders as they declare they want for Caruso, mm. you should probably take that because that's going to mm. be the highest possible value. And if you don't get that, then I don't think you should move on from a player like that. But you have to be prepared for the idea that it's going to look a little bit different. Any drastic moves aren't going to come to me, in my estimation, this year. I think they come in the offseason. So you would build, you would continue to build with DeMar and Zach next year? I think you have one more year of this window, maybe two, hoping that Lonzo comes back healthy Ooh. to do this. Isn't and that I, the most likely path as well? Because me, this is, is what they've done. Yes. Like, it's hard to be the architect of whatever it is. And then pull the plug on it quickly, especially when this you're you're a new crew. And I don't think you necessarily need to pull the plug on this if you're looking down the line. If you're looking at right now, I absolutely understand any frustration that a fan has looking at the current iteration and looking at the current results and go, why is this the team? My concern or my biggest, I, I don't know, isn't a concern is, is, is frustration is, is that I've always, Sylvia and I have always talked about how much we like Zach as a player. Our our opinion, I think, has shifted a little bit. I just when he's your most, he's the guy you're giving the most money. You he has to be a reason why you're winning games late in games, and he hasn't shown the ability to do that this year. I, I think the options have been have been there this year 
for both DeRozan and Levine to be a hero at the end of games, and it hasn't worked out. Now, you can look at a lot of teams and say, well, they don't make those shots either, but I understand that the entire perception of a player changes as soon as the ink goes to paper. Of course. It has to, because this is the modern era of the NBA, and this is an investment in the city and in a franchise that has a a great value to what they're doing in the city. So I get the frustrations. Do I think, based on the market, is he a max player? Yeah, he is. They paid him a max deal because he's put up the type of production that a lot of guys We felt that do. when last year came to an end. We, you, you, what you saw last year was a capable max player. Now, does your what I love if your max player is constantly your best player every single night at both ends? Yeah, there's only so many guys like that. And we've talked about this in the past where you have to give something up to get something in the NBA. Same thing with DeRozan. People were, were talking about DeMar's defense for a good chunk of the year. You got to give that up sometimes because... He what, he what he gives you on the offensive end. He complains about fouls. Well, yeah, but he's going to get the call eventually because he's done it for 14 years and referees know that. They're going to give him the call. And by the way, the last call against the Clippers, he was right. The last two-minute report came out again. Should have been a foul on Reggie Jackson, down by one with two shots coming. I get it. He knows the game and he knows the feel of it. But you have to give up something to get that level of offensive production and ability to go to the foul line. That's every big-time player in the NBA outside of 10. Like, there's 10 gravitational players you, in this league. You, you, you can't call another loss tonight. Not I, to this team. <laughs> you know what? Even if they lose, call it a win. How about that? <laughs> yeah, how about call that? it a win. This we're, is for Waddle and Sylvie. Yeah. The Bulls may have lost, yeah. but yeah. we're, we're going to tell them that it's a win. Uh, yeah. It's a, well, based on, based on track record, you haven't been watching in the fourth quarter until it's time to go to the postgame show anyway. So <laughs> Charlotte 110, Bulls 98. Big win for, Big the, Bulls win for the Bulls tonight. tonight. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, coming up, I want to get your answer on Aaron Rodgers. We haven't done you that. Got it. We'll get that uh, with Adam Amin coming up next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. You know, this is uh, the the love that Adam Amin gets. Like, I don't even get a hi, how are you from my own mom. <laughs> at, at 4.11, just a text message. Unsolicited. I'm going to take a risk here at the risk of sounding disengaged. Is it Barbara? Yes. Okay, I just wanted good. to make sure I remember your mom's name. Yeah. Tell, tell him he's the best with three <laughs> exclamation points. Oh, my god! No gosh. hi, no how yeah. are you, no good show. No, You're no, it's pretty a, it's good, a, too. It's, it's, it's an, an ongoing conversation it's, for you. It's, it's an ongoing conversation. Tell him... He's the best. Remember, you you and your mom are on a on the highway of life together. I this was merely an exit. Yeah, she that's loves. All it was. She's your biggest. She's fan. A, she is an absolute sweetheart for saying those things yeah. over the years. She, she's you. Both of you guys have been very supportive. All you guys have been very supportive for. Yeah, me. yeah. Um, all right. So we we found out Tom Brady, and and we think he's going to stay retired. Yeah. Where's Aaron Rodgers playing next year? I, I feel like he's going somewhere west. Uh, and again, just gut feel, just seeing how the tea leaves are out there. Like, I'd be fascinated to see him in Seattle because I don't know what's going to happen with Geno Smith. If you bring Geno Smith back, I think it's a fine move if you're the Seahawks. But somebody somewhere is going to offer him a decent amount of money. The Carolina yeah. Panthers need a quarterback. There are teams that desperately need some level of consistency, and they would happily take Geno Smith, who now looks like a pretty solid upgrade for some of the guys like you're telling I like Taylor Heineke. I'm wearing green Jordans today too. Like I, I I'm a fan of I'm a, I'm a fan of his as a player, but you're telling me Washington couldn't benefit from having somebody like Geno Smith 
on their roster and he goes back east. So Seattle, I think, would be an interesting landing spot for Rodgers. San Francisco, certainly, depending on how these machinations go, because Garoppolo is a free agent. Who knows what Trey Lance is going to be, let alone how he's going to recover from injury. And Brock Purdy, I don't know if you still invest in him and say, well, I know you were great, but you're not the guy. You know, and I, I, I'm sure people are split 50-50. So San Francisco would be a fascinating option. And then, as we said, Las Vegas, give him Josh McDaniels as a play caller. Give him Devontae Adams again. Give him a team that is probably willing to spend some money. Yeah. And I think you would put a favorable scenario together for somebody like Rodgers. Yeah, I don't think that the 49ers, after spending three first-round picks on Trey Lance, can dip back into that. But I don't even know what Rodgers would command. I think I read somewhere on Twitter recently today, though, that He's out at the AT&T, and someone was screaming at him. He screamed back to them, I ain't going to the, to the 49ers. Oh, really? Like, like what oh, would the Packers yeah. even want to deal with? Like, yeah. they're one of their rivals, right? They've knocked yeah. them out of the postseason. That's why Las Vegas is the most interesting and intriguing spot for me because of McDaniels, because yeah. of the space, and because of Devontae. Devontae. What, I think about about the Jets? what about the Jets? Like, you're going to crush Greeny here. Oh, they, he, oh, he wants him so bad. He wants him so bad. I, I don't see him in I don't, New York. I don't see him going. I can... I can create a scenario in my head where I go, well, you got a defense that's improving and young. I really like their head coach. I really like Robert Sala. I like their staff. It would be a LaFleur as well. No, so, no, they got or, Hackett. Or they, oh, that's right. They got Hackett. Yeah. They just hired him. Yeah, LaFleur's out. Uh, so Nathaniel Hackett would be there, which is the yes. most appealing part of that. And you do have capital, and you do have – Brees Hall's going to come back. That's a, I think he's a fabulous running back. Yeah. You have a legit receiver in mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson, and if you build around – Again, improve the offensive line. Give me a decent tight end because Rodgers has always had a good relationship with his tight ends. I think it's an. I can create the scenario where it makes sense. Remember, didn't there wasn't there a conflict at least maybe it was a year ago between the 49ers and the Packers because Lafleur and Shanny, who were great friends, there was some some thought that the 49ers were 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 tampering with Rodgers, sniffing around, sniffing Trying to around. See what, what's yeah, going don't on? Don't you there? remember, like in one of the games they played, they wouldn't even shake hands. There was something to that. Yeah. And, and it was a couple the, years ago. The, the one thing about San Francisco is, I think Kyle Shanahan would love to have somebody like Rodgers, but I think what Kyle Shanahan really wants is Trey Lance, but not Trey Lance. Yeah. He wants Justin Fields. That's who Kyle well, Shanahan wants him. for like a player like that to run that offense. Can you imagine Lamar Jackson yeah. in San Francisco if mm. this thing doesn't get worked out in Baltimore? Wouldn't that be like an ideal destination for what they have with Debo, McCaffrey, a backfield that needs a little bit of a boost? But so Adam, now you have this guy. Af- can they afford that? I mean, they're built in such a way. They have so many great players that they are benefiting from having a rookie contract at the quarterback position. Because they, spend, they can yes. spend on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And, but, you know, their, their big concern, I think, right now is losing D'Amico Ryans. Like I said, right. I thought that was an ace hire by Houston. I think, the, and obviously the connectivity of him playing there helps too, but right. he was one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And that defense was really good for a reason. They yeah. certainly had talent, but they also had injuries on the back end for how many full yeah. seasons? Three full years. And they still made deep playoff runs despite... Every cornerback coming in and getting hurt. Multiple safeties coming in and getting hurt. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, and that front held that defense together. And the only reason they stuck together is because of D'Amico Ryan. Yeah. Great stuff. All right, get to the United Center. And now, thank you for joining us in the old National Bank studio. Remember, it's a win tonight for Waddle and Sylvia. Yes. And regardless of the final score. 
It is a Doesn't win. Matter. You got to yeah. announce it as a win. <laughs> yes. I appreciate you guys, uh, man. It's such a pleasure to come it, in. And it's talk a to voice guys. of the Bulls. You hear him on us uh, and see him on Fox in the NFL and Major League Baseball. He is the absolute best. He's Chicago's own Adam Amin. He's your mom's favorite as well. Yeah, my mom's <laughs> favorite. Including, including you. That, that Thanks, includes Barbara. Me, yes. You're the best. I don't even think I'm number two in this. Like, oh, no, you're uh, number two. You're a big number <laughs> That's two. That's true. Yeah. That is true. All right, hot take uh, time machine. We debut a new segment coming up next.